Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to Compliance Into the Weeds, a podcast where, with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, founder and editor of Radical Compliance, we take a deep dive into the weeds of a compliance or compliance-related topic. In this episode, Matt Kelly and I take a look at the SEC order involving KPMG, which was released on June 17, 2019. It details the previously disclosed scandal of bribery and corruption around obtaining audit schedules and protocols from the PCAOB, but it also releases information on a new scandal around cheating on professional standards. Matt and I take a deep dive into this new part, what it might mean for KPMG and the audit profession going forward. It's uh, frankly just a horrendous order involving the most egregious ethical violations by auditors and an auditing firm that you can imagine. So we take a pretty deep dive into it. I know you will find it horrific but compelling. Compliance Into the Weeds is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network and now on C-Suite Radio. We also now have our own iTunes show, so check us out. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and frankly, I'm just beside myself today. Uh, Not because I'm here with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, but because we are here to talk about the SEC cease and desist order released yesterday around KPMG. Uh, This uh, started... uh, relating to the scandal with the PCAOB, where through bribery and corruption, uh, KPMG uh, received certain information of uh, audits that the uh, PCAOB would do. Uh, This was uh, been reported, criminal indictments, and lots of information out on that. However, uh, in the cease and desist order uh, released yesterday, there was an entirely new set of, uh, frankly, some of the most unethical conduct uh, I had seen in quite some time. So that with that introduction, Matt, first of all, uh, welcome. And uh, what were your thoughts upon reading this yesterday? Hey, Tom. So um, this is quite the statement, the consent order or consent decree that the SEC published yesterday against KPMG. Um, You know, there are plenty of cynics out there about audit firms. And this misconduct that the SEC found really just it's appalling for an audit firm to have engaged in this sort of stuff. So for those people who may not be completely aware of what had been going on with KPMG, we now have two separate scandals. First was the jobs for Intel scandal where the firm's professional practices division. So this was senior high up executives at KPMG were offering jobs to regulators at the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board in exchange for the PCAOB leaking information back to the firm about which audits the PCAOB will be inspecting. And then once they knew which audits, they went back and altered documents, uh, logged onto KPMG servers to manipulate evidence and make their audits look better so they would improve their inspection rate. Um, conscious, willful, deliberate intent by both parties, the PCAOB people who were selling out the reputation of the agency uh, to get a job at KPMG, and then the partners at KPMG who knew full well what they were doing. Um, and that's gone to trial, and we've had criminal indictments, and we've had pleas, and I that is such a mess, I have not even kept a close eye on it. But then Yesterday, we have this whole separate little second scandal, which I think is largely unrelated to the first. 
So, Tom, we should talk about how this came about that the SEC discovered it, which I think is interesting. Um, but now we have this other scandal of partners and junior staffers working with each other, partners working with other partners, junior staffers working with other junior staffers to cheat on CPE exams that KPMG was supposed to be taking as part of an earlier consent decree with the SEC. Um, but, you know, for example, you might have to pass 70% of the questions on your CPE test. So sometimes they would swap answers with each other to get to the 70%. Sometimes KPMG people would log onto the system and alter the system's configurations to change it from 70% passes to 25% passes. And then they would miraculously pass. And I don't know how many people were involved in that. That detail seems a bit vague in the SEC's order. Um, part of the settlement was that KPMG must uh, continue to cooperate with the SEC about identifying who were the exam cheaters. And Tom, you and I can go back and forth on this, but right now I'm kind of struggling about which of these scandals is the more egregious ethically? Was it the jobs for Intel scandal or was it the cheating scandal? Um, I don't know, man. I've got my views, but you know, what do you think? Which one is the worst of the two? Well, for me, Matt, it's the cheating scandal. And I find that just cataclysmic in terms of its uh, ethical failures. Um, and the uh, but let's maybe unpack this a little bit and start with uh, one of the points you raised, which was how did this come about? And in the order, all we have is the following information that at some point, uh, KPMG's board became aware of the cheating scandal and ordered an internal investigation. It is not clear if that came about because of the underlying scandal with the PCAOB. It is specifically stated, however, that it was not an internal reported uh, speak up through the hotline. Mm -hmm. And I found that as troubling as any other fact, but it's not clear whether the SEC uncovered this. It's not clear whether a whistleblower went anonymously or rather confidentially to the SEC or uh, some other manner. But at some point, the KPMG board uh, found out about this cheating scandal and the board ordered an internal investigation, which led to this just horrific set of facts that uh, you detail. The, so um, my first question is, did somebody under investigation for the Jobs for Intel scandal did somebody offer that to the SEC to cut a deal? And hey, guys, you know, give me some favorable treatment and I'll give you this, that we have this whole other separate mess going on. That That is plausible. We don't know it. But you're right that the Jobs for Intel scandal came about when one of the partners who got information about her audit, and you should prepare for this because it's going to be inspected, she at KPMG, she knew that doesn't pass the smell test. She called the internal reporting hotline at KPMG and launched that. But you are correct that we're not entirely clear how the board at KPMG became aware of the cheating scandal. And so right away, I'm wondering, are people flipping and cutting deals? And like, none of it is a good answer for KPMG. But I'm uh, sorry to interrupt, but you know, that's one question I had right there is how did this all come to light? Uh, absolutely. And the fact that it was not reported on the uh, company's internal uh, whistleblower uh, reporting line opens up an entirely new line of inquiry 
around what was the internal culture? Why was uh, cheating culture that was so pervasive uh, never reported? Was it that everyone was in on the cheating? Was it that people were afraid to speak up? Did the word come down that if you say something, you will be terminated? Um, to have a, a culture of accountants and internal auditors who are cheating on exams, yet no one, and I mean no one, uh, raises their hand and speaks up about it, uh, I think really speaks to many of the larger issues that this cease and desist order raises in terms of an overall culture and can KPMG be trusted going forward? Yeah, you know, the other potential reason that you did not mention here about the cheating scandal, why did nobody raise the alarm? Did anybody care? Did anybody understand that this was not normal practice? It should not be accepted. Um, we don't know yet. And we should draw a distinction between the jobs for Intel scandal, which has already gone to trial with several different people who have been charged. We know a lot of detail about that. It's a sordid mess, but we don't know much yet about this cheating scandal. And I am wondering six months from now, if people are losing their licenses, uh, getting barred from auditing public companies, if the SEC decides somebody should be facing civil charges, like six months from now, what will we know about the cheating scandal and will it be as bad as what we had seen with the jobs for Intel scandal? I'm not sure yet, but like there is no good answer for KPMG. I don't care what the answer is for the cheating scandal. You're right that this speaks to deep cultural dysfunction that doesn't really matter what the answer is because um, it's just deep cultural dysfunction at a firm that should have known better because they're paid to know better, because they are paid to audit other companies about do you know better with your own ethical culture that can come up in an audit and here's kpmg flunking that test itself that's just not good at all so the part about the resetting the bar on the requirement of 70 percent pass rate down to a lower pass rate there were uh 28 auditors identified that number rather was identified who did so on four or more occasions. And one of the uh, slippery slope questions I had, Matt, is that if any of those partners lowered the score so that they could maintain their license and then signed an audited financial statement, is that audited financial statement now invalid? Well, and is a company subject to a company client subject to any sanctions for KPMG's fraudulent conduct? See, that's where, I we don't know. I mean, I have a few thoughts about that. And it gets to my belief that the cheating scandal is probably the worst and possibly the bigger problem for the firm. Um, several people, news media, have asked the SEC, does any of this cheating invalidate or somehow contaminate a company's audit? And the SEC has said, we refer you back to Chairman Jay Clayton's original statement, which he made last year when the cheating scandal, with the Jobs for Intel scandal first blew up. Um, and when the Jobs for Intel scandal blew up and uh, SEC started taking action, Jay Clayton said, the investing public and the issuer community, issuers, corporations, the issuer community should be confident in the integrity of the audits. Um, I'm paraphrasing there exactly, but Clayton basically said back then, you have nothing to worry about. The audits that were done, even by these people, were good, sound audits. 
So if that still holds, as we now have this new cheating scandal, which the public at least did not know about the cheating scandal when Jay Clayton made that statement last year about the Jobs for Intel scandal, that sentence alone is just so preposterous that we have to utter it aloud, but we do. But we didn't know about that back then. Now we do. Did Jay Clayton at the time know there was also a cheating scandal going on when he said that? Um, is it still true that we can trust all of these audits? Like the SEC seems to be implying, yes, you can. Like That's a really big ask of investors and companies because this scandal keeps getting worse. So if you had audit partners or audit staffers who were engineering their tests so they could pass them, but really lacked the skills to do a competent audit, then at the very least, if I were the company, if I were the CFO at that company, I would be on the phone with KPMG right now saying exactly what am I paying you for? Why did we do this? Is there a right of action here? Um, if the company later experienced some sort of financial restatement or an issue, or I don't know, a, a warning about con con continuing as a going concern, um, if you experienced that later because you had an audit earlier that said everything's fine, but it was done by somebody who was cheating on their audit exams, I, I think as an investor, you might have a right of action against somebody somewhere. I'm not exactly sure who. Um, I think a lot of these questions we don't know because I mean, I'd never really contemplated that before. I didn't think we would ever have this sort of a problem was going to be a thing, but it's a thing. And now there's a lot of companies that are pulled into this. Uh, so. I will, I guess, continue to take the SEC and Jay Clayton at their word that this does not infect the integrity of the audits and financial statements. I guess I'll take that with a grain of salt, but like, this is hard to believe. Like, when does the good news start to come out that this is not as bad as it seems? I don't know. Well, first of all, I'm not sure there's any good news that's going to come out. But yeah. uh, let me go back to one of the earlier points you also raised, which was uh, KPMG is one of the big four. And KPMG now, this scandal is literally one of several across the globe. They were involved with the Gupta family in South Africa. The FCA in the United Kingdom has slapped them with a, a significant fine and penalty. And yeah. now we have this one in the United States. Frankly, Matt, one of my fears is that the howls and cackles will raise to uh, break up KPMG, uh, much the way Arthur Anderson uh, was broken up, and then we'll have a big three. But the people who make up KPMG uh, will have to go somewhere. And if KPMG is broken up, will the infection of this type of ethical uh, misadventure then move to other firms? Will we then go down to uh, to the point where it's going to be one mega auditing firm for the world? Uh, perhaps that's a little bit too far, but uh, the concentration within the auditing world of now four, I think, has, has given a lot of people pause for consideration, uh, certainly since Arthur Anderson went away. Well, I would back it up and put the question this way. And Tom, this one I'm going to turn back to you since you're the, the lawyer and I'm not. But um, in a normal world, unto itself, do you think the firm would be looking at a corporate criminal indictment right now for what it has done? Now, I'm not necessarily saying it absolutely would happen, but would that be a reasonable form of punishment that we could say, yeah, sure, that might happen? Do you think that they, they would be entertaining that possibility? 
if it was a, a company that uh, did not have to have a professional license, uh, which would be invalidated by a criminal indictment, I think the answer is probably yes. Yeah. See, um, I have been thinking through the Justice Department's evaluation of corporate compliance guidelines. They talk there a lot about the importance of training for gatekeepers. And in the guidance, they're talking about individuals, but conceptually, really, an audit firm as a whole is a gatekeeper. It is held to a higher standard. Like I said earlier, they are paid to evaluate other businesses and organizations on their ethical conduct. And here's this. Um, so I'd, I also was thinking in a world where we had the big 10 or the big eight audit firms, yes, I think a corporate criminal indictment would very much be something plausible and that then KPNG's days might be numbered. Um, you know, would you break up the firm? It's trickier than you would think to say yes, because like, you know, the UK authorities might want to try to break up KPNG. And I suppose in theory, they could break it up over there, but that wouldn't work over here where we wouldn't have to listen to that. And like, it gets messy, but a corporate criminal indictment, you know, really is like dropping napalm to, you know, kind of burn out a foxhole. Um, it would very quickly put all of KPMG out of business. But on the other hand, we don't live in that world where there's a big 10 or a big eight. There's only four big four firms. If you do go down to big three, that has horrendous difficulties for corporate clients about conflicts of interest among the remaining three. And what would KPMG's clients do? So like, we're not going to get a corporate indictment against KPMG. I don't think we're going to break up the firm. So I get it that we're going to supposedly have this independent compliance monitor for KPMG. Um, I'm curious to see how that works in practice. I'm curious to know who could that actually be who would do that job, who is qualified enough to do it, but is perhaps not part of the problem. Um, you know, who could be an independent compliance monitor for a big four audit firm? An ex PCAOB board director might be able to do it, except this happened under their nose. The, the jobs for Intel scandal happened under the prior PCAOB board's leadership, and they didn't get a wind of it. So I would think that you could, you could fairly criticize them as that's not appropriate. Um, you'd need somebody who's an auditor generally, so you can't really say a former U.S. attorney could do this unless they had a moonlighting business as a CPA for a while. Um, so I'm very curious to see how this monitorship works in practice. It's a good idea, given all the better ideas are invalid for various practical reasons, but who's the person? I, I don't know. I'd be very curious to see how that shakes out. So I gave a lot of thought to that issue as well, uh, because my first thought was you want just the uh, meanest drill sergeant ex-prosecutor to come in here and just crack the whip. But then I thought, if you have someone like that, is that really going, is a fear strategy going to change a culture? And that really led me to think that, you know, perhaps you need someone not softer, but someone who can really speak uh, almost individually to the partners and employees of KPMG and just say that we are now going to work towards upholding an ethical standard above and beyond. And we are not going to tolerate if you are asked to do something that your personal ethical standards you feel violated, you absolutely have the right. And now you have the duty to speak up 
And if you see something, you have the duty to speak up. So I'm a little bit torn uh, really uh, between those two horns of dilemma, if I can use that word, but also uh, to the point you raised, Matt, is uh, someone like, well, uh, someone who is qualified to be a monitor generally, do you need to have this uh, specialized expertise within this field? And your point about a former PCAOB member is absolutely uh, correct. Are they sort of conflicted out now for uh, the first part of this order? Or something different, but um, I'm I'm glad that at least an independent monitor was uh, uh, required in this. And the additional fallout, I think, is just going to be equally cataclysmic for KPMG going forward. You know, and the other point that I would have is, you know, we've been talking about the monitor as if it is a single individual, and um, valid question to raise is like, could any single person do this job? Because KPMG is a big firm and it's structured in a very big sprawling way. Um, at the least that person would need some sort of staff assistance like of their own. Like could a monitoring firm do this because there are deputy monitors who they might put in satellite offices around KPMG around the country or something like that. Um, I see your point about maybe making this more of an ethical coaching job. Um, it's That's a valid way to think about it. That's still going to be hard. But as soon as you think about it that way, then you need people on the ground in various KPMG offices. And I, I don't even know how many offices they have, but it's easy to say scores throughout the country. Um, so it's not really like any one person could do this job. Um, but then there are these questions about expertise. Um, you know, so like, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, one other thought that does go through my mind right now, for anybody on the podcast who is employed at an audit firm, KPMG or otherwise, um, I also am curious to see how this scandal, especially the cheating scandal, will affect how the PCAOB inspects other audit firms from here forward. So about six months ago, uh, some new PCAOB leaders were all there because the old ones all got cashiered and they brought in five new board members all at once. So here are the new ones. They're giving a speech and they're all talking about how they're going to take a new approach to inspecting audit firms. And they're going to focus a whole lot more on things like uh, quality control, uh, ethical culture at firms, and other issues like that, rather than how good are you at auditing specific things like revenue recognition or um, management estimates or leasing costs? You know, it's more about how the firm conducts itself. And that was six months ago that they said that. And I was like, well, that's not a bad idea, but is that really the most necessary thing? Well, now I see why they said that six months ago. I'm like, oh, okay, now, yeah, you you really need to focus on this. So I do wonder how this scandal will affect the new PCAOB's leadership and how they will inspect audit firms from here forward. Um, compliance officers or corporations listening to this, you might be wondering how would that then affect me? And frankly, I don't know, might not affect you at all. Um, but audit firms generally are going to have to think about what sort of new experience will we have being regulated given that KPMG just ruined it for everybody. And Tom, you and I haven't even talked about the potential that has anything like this happened at other firms, either cheating or jobs for Intel or I don't know what. We haven't heard that specifically, but this is not a big world. There are only four, big four firms, and 
people do shift back and forth between other firms to other firms or to the PCAOB and then back, or you work at one firm, then a regulator, then another firm. It's a clubby world. And one per, you know, 25% of the club just showed that it had some really bad issues here. So what about the other 75%? And have they somehow been contaminated by this? I, I don't know. Um, so by no means is this issue or this scandal over, not at all. Uh, I would certainly agree with that. I think we're going to have to watch this one uh, with uh, a lot of care going forward because of all of the implications. And as you said, uh, we really only talked about half of the scandal in this podcast. Yeah. All right, Matt. Well, uh, till next time, we can see what we can come up with. Thank you, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance into the Weeds. If you have any questions, you can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. You can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you'll join us again next week where Matt and I take another deep dive into a compliance or compliance-related topic. Compliance into the Weeds is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network, now a part of C-Suite Radio. And once again, we have our own iTunes show. So get the iTunes Compliance into the Weeds app so you can check us out every week on a regular basis. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to visiting with you again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.